Hey y'all, welcome back to Native Soil. It's season four. It's hard to believe. It's a blessing to be back with y'all. We've got a new set. If you're watching this, we've got a lot of jars of soil. It's a sign of kind of where the Lord has brought us to this point. And as we come into this new season, something that's been on my heart and uh, just praying about this with the people involved and talking to friends is turning our direction to the poor and their role here on our native soil and how uh, the Lord wants to speak to us through them. And so to kick off uh, this, this first episode, kind of set that theme, I want to read a passage from Scripture. So this is going to be a reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. There was a scholar of the law who stood up to test him and said, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? He said in reply, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. He replied to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But because he wished to justify himself, he said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man fell victim to robbers as he went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. They stripped and beat him and went off, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down that road, but when he saw him, he passed by on the opposite side. Likewise, a Levite came to the place, and when he saw him, he passed by on the opposite side. But a Samaritan traveler who came upon him was moved with compassion at the sight. He approached the victim, poured oil and wine over his wounds, and bandaged them. Then he lifted him up on his own animal, took them to an inn, and cared for him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper with the instruction, Take care of him. If you spend more than what I have given you, I shall repay you on my way back. Which of these three, in your opinion, was neighbor to the robber's victim? He answered, The one who treated him with mercy. Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Such a powerful gospel gives us so much to think about, but particularly in the spirit of native soil is to reflect on this idea of neighbor. You know, God in the Old and New Testament could have told us a lot of different ways to love people, but he said, love your neighbor, love that person that is in greatest proximity to you. And not just that is in greatest proximity, but in this parable, the person who is in greatest need. And it's highlighted all the more the disparity between the Samaritan and this person who's fallen victim. There's a great disparity between the Samaritans and the Jews. They have different ways of worshiping God. They have a different ethnicity. And there's a lot of rivalry and hate between those two groups. So all the more poignant that it would be a Samaritan that would be passing by and would see the need and respond to it. So that really begs the question for us, who is our neighbor? Who is our neighbor on our native soil? And how are we being called to go and do likewise? One of the things that really strikes me about that parable is the Samaritan allows the needs of the poor that happen to be in his midst, that are in his proximity, to set his priorities. 
I'm sure when he woke up that day, he was not planning on picking a guy out of a ditch and binding his wounds with oil and wine and, and taking him to an inn and staying in care. But he allowed the needs of the poor to reprioritize what he was going to do that day, to reprioritize the use of his time and his resources. And in the Catholic Church, this idea we speak about in an official way as the preferential option for the poor. This is a term that comes from our Catholic social teaching, which has been combined in a really amazing way in a document called the Compendium of Social of the Social Doctrine of the Church. This was something that, like I said, it came out in 2004, and it really has compiled, you know, the church has been meditating upon the Word of God for 2,000 years, and it combines a lot of different levels of church teaching, letters that popes have written, uh, writings from the Second Vatican Council, uh, statements out of the Catechism, quotes from the saints. It kind of combines all this stuff into one book that is a book of all of the moral principles that should guide our social interaction, our interaction in society with other people as Catholics. It's not a big laundry list of like, here's what to do in every single situation, because that would be impossible. There's so many different situations on everyone's native soil. But it does give us this compendium of moral principles for all of us to learn and pray about and figure out how we are supposed to live in our context. And one of those principles is called the preferential option for the poor. Now, this term was coined in 1968 by the uh, Father Pedro Rupe, who was the leader of the Jesuit order, and he was writing a letter to all the Jesuits. And he kind of coined this term, challenging his priest to have, uh, and, his, and, and their brothers, to have this preferential option for the poor. It was something that was very provocative and kind of kind of captivated the attention of people around the church, and it was it was kind of brought to the forefront at a um, a synod of bishops as they reflected upon needs of justice in the world. Shortly thereafter, um, the bishops in Latin America kind of picked it up and developed it some more. Some took it a, a little far, you know. There's a lot of de development of liberation theology, and some people took that too far to say, okay, well you know, we can, we can use violence to secure the rights of the poor. We could do this, but in the wisdom of the church, um, it's been used in many different ways to help us to understand why is it that God wants us to have this preferential option, this preferential love for the poor in our midst. The first grounding is really looking at scripture and all throughout scripture. God seems to have this preference for those who are most powerless, most weak, most not able to help themselves. And so, for example, if you look in Exodus chapter 22, Moses is giving the law to his people and God, you know, has spoken to him to give him all these different principles to govern their society around God. And one of them, if you, if you look at verse 20, says, you shall not oppress or afflict a resident alien for you were once aliens residing in the land of Egypt. You shall not wrong any widow or orphan. If you ever wrong them and they cry out to me, I will surely listen to their cry. My wrath will flare up and I will kill you with the sword. Then your own wives will be widows and your own children orphans. Pretty strong language. God reaching out for the orphans and widows. Why is that? Well, they were the most vulnerable people in society. He also mentions the, the, the alien. He's like, these are the most vulnerable people in society, totally displaced from their homes. They're here on our native soil. What are we to do? 
And the orphans and widows is a theme that comes back time and time again, because particularly in the, the ancient you know, Middle East, if you were not married and you did not have, uh, or, or if you didn't have, um, if you didn't have children, you had very little status in society. So the Lord kind of keeps pointing to this. So you go to the New Testament, we see the same kind of concern carried in to the Christian community. James 127, religion that is pure and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to care for orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained by the world. Again, as Christ has formed this community, they still have this preferential love option for the poor. Think about when the first deacons were selected. If you go to Acts chapter 6, as the community grows, it says this. Uh, it says, At that time, as the number of disciples continued to grow, the Hellenists complained against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. So there, as the, the, the non-Jews and the Jews are coming together loving, they all have this concern for widows. And that leads to the 12 getting together and praying for seven reputable men to come and help take care of these widows. And those were the first deacons. And that's an institution of the church which remains to us to this day. All of this is kind of pointing us to this moral principle that you find in the, our social doctrine of this preferential option for the poor. The Lord keeps pointing us there. Perhaps in no starker way in the scriptures is is in got in the the gospel of matthew and jesus's uh parable about kind of the last judgment and he says very clearly he says for i was hungry and you gave me food i was thirsty and you gave me drink a stranger and you welcomed me naked and you clothed me ill and you cared for me in prison and you visited me Amen, I say to you, whatever you did for one of the least of my brothers, you did it to me. And that, Mother Teresa says, is what she calls the five-finger gospel. You know, you did it to me. And so there is this preferential option for the poor, but then Jesus is saying there's this mystical sense in which when we do love the poor, we are also loving Jesus at the same time. And so he kind of doubles down on this, you know, love your neighbor as yourself, because as you do that, you're also loving Christ himself, who is there mystically united, you know, to every human person. You know, God became a man. And and uh, the Second Vatican Council says that in a mysterious way, God has united himself to every human person because of the incarnation. Such that this parable makes sense, like whatever you do for the the ill and the poor, you know, you did it to me. So um, this is a term that found its way. Uh, St. Paul VI used it in some of his writings. John Paul II picked up the term and used the writings affirming it. And he also added the spiritual dimension. He said, let us not forget about those who are spiritually poor. And... Um, one thing, you know, he had a real connection with promoting divine mercy. And and if you read uh, the diary of St. Faustina and a lot of things that Jesus said to her, many times Jesus uh, tells her that the greatest sinners, those who are most spiritually poor, have a greater right to his mercy. And so one time Jesus said to St. Faustina this precisely, paragraph 1541, for those of you who have her diary. 
When a soul sees and realizes the gravity of its sins, when the whole abyss of the misery and to which it, it immersed itself is displaced before its is displayed before its eyes, let it not despair, but with trust let it throw itself into the arms of my mercy as a child into the arms of its beloved mother. These souls have a right of priority to my compassionate heart. They have first access to my mercy. Tell them that no soul that has called upon my mercy has been disappointed or brought to shame. Powerful words. The greatest sinners have first access to the mercy of God, to the compassionate heart of God. How is it that we're supposed to let the poor have first access to our mercy? Spiritually, physically, emotionally, with our resources, our time. How are we to let the poor reprioritize all that we have, all the time that we have, so that they can have first access to our mercy as God gives first access to us when we are in need of his mercy? Pope Bennett XVI also used the term and developed it. And he also, you know, he affirmed it, helped make distinctions about how this is this is different from some of kind of the more extreme versions of liberation theology. And he said, you know, this should also include those who are margin all those who are marginalized in society. He specifically names widows, children, people with disabilities, victims of oppression, and others. So I go through that progression to show these. Are, this is the kind of progression that has helped to distill these Catholic social moral principles for all of us that are so nicely bound, you know, in this document here. And I go through all that really to kick off this episode because we're going to be blessed to interview people from our archdiocese, from our native soil, who have heard this call to give the poor first access to their mercy in a very real and tangible way. Um, there's a great quote from St. Ambrose that uh, you find in the compendium and that also just gives us some frame of reference to think about, you know, the poor in our midst. And he says this, you are not making a gift of what is yours to the poor man, but you are giving him back what is his. You have been appropriating things that are meant to be used for, to, to, that, that are meant to be for the common use of everyone. The earth belongs to everyone, not to the rich. That is a very challenging thought right there, that the earth belongs to everyone. Our native soil, our diocese, every resource, every penny, every natural resource, every talent that every human person has belongs to everyone. And that is the great project of the gospel is how can we put all of our gifts at the use of one another. You know, he doesn't give all of us all gifts. He gives each of us some gifts, and that's the whole project of just the human race is how can we live in communion with one another? It's interesting, uh, Hans Urs von Balthasar, one of the most influential theologians of the 20th century, had a huge influence on the Second Vatican Council. He had a theory that private property itself was a result of original sin. He said, if there wasn't sin, we wouldn't have a need to say, well, no, this is mine. And you, you know, you, you don't have a right to come here and this is mine and you don't have a right. And a fallen world, we have to have it or else we'd all just go crazy. But, um, but part of the gospel really taking root in our native soil is us rediscovering that original kind of innocence and that vision of, of basically what St. Ambrose is saying. 
everything uh, on earth belongs to everyone. And we have to figure out how to uh, share it in the way in which God is calling us to do it. Um, you know, we're all just stewards of the things we have. You know, we're only going to live so many years on earth and then it goes on to somebody else. But in the midst of this, the Lord uses the poor in this very provocative way. It's a mysterious way to help us to bring about that equilibrium, to challenge us to figure out what does it look like for us to bring about mercy and equality and justice in our own backyard. And all of this is just summed up. And what he said, you know, love God, all your heart, mind, body, soul. Love your neighbor. So that's really the challenge at hand for us in this season is for us to reflect together. How are we being called to go and do likewise? That's what Jesus says in that parable. Go and do likewise. How can we let the poor in our midst, you know, whoever in God's province he puts in our path that he directs our gaze to, how can we let them reprioritize our time, our resources, our prayer, our evangelization to meet their needs so that his kingdom can really grow here on our native soil. So uh, we turn to the woman who once prayed to God as she was pregnant with, with, with Christ himself. She said, bless are you, Lord, who have looked upon the lowliness of your servant. You know, she looked upon the poverty in her own life and the poverty of the Blessed Mother's soul, the poverty of her own heart, was something that attracted God so powerfully that he came there and rested. That preferential option for the poverty in her heart. And so we ask her to guide us in this uh, season as we reflect on the poor and how we are called to love them on our native soil as we pray together. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And through her powerful intercession, may Almighty God bless all of you listening, all the poor on our native soil in a special way, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, God bless y'all, and look forward to having you back here with us on Native Soil.